Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Chapter 1. And if you still haven't found it, it'll be on the screen. Not a problem at all. It starts off in verse 1 saying, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. You may take a seat. Today we're going to be seeing how God is working behind the scenes to make his perfect plan a reality. And so our pastor makes it a priority for us to understand the the culture and context of God's word because it wasn't written in 2020 in the American culture. And so the historical background that we see is that uh, Habakkuk, majority of scholars agree, he was a contemporary with the prophet Jeremiah. And he lived during a time when in 622 BC, King Josiah over Judah was reigning. And he led the last and the final the last and final revival for the nation of Israel. And as a result of this, God had said there was judgment coming to the land, but the judgment, I'm going to stay it until after your death, Josiah, because of your your good reign, because you were honoring in my sight. But then his son comes on the scene, and you have Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim was not a man that honored God. The Bible tells us Jehoiakim was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebedah, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah. And he did that which was, what? Evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all his fathers has done. This is the setting that we have for the book of Habakkuk. And we see in these first few verses of chapter 1 that Habakkuk lived in a violent culture. He was starting off this passage, and the book is opens by talking about a burden that this man had. He had a burden, and so as we're reading God's word, it's important that we always understand that God's word was inspired in the original languages of Hebrew. And so this particular passage was written in Hebrew. And so to understand what this burden is that Habakkuk had, we have to go back to see what this Hebrew word. So you guys ready for a Hebrew class lesson? So you're going to learn this word named masa. So if we can see it on the screen, masa. Everyone say masa. Masa is the Hebrew word that is burden in this passage, and it's also translated as an oracle or a message or a prophecy or pronouncement. And the, the, uh, the burden that Habakkuk the prophet did see, it's opening the book, and it's proclaiming that this is a writing that was given unto Habakkuk by the message of God. It speaks of the prophecy which Habakkuk saw in which God pronounced the impending judgment on Judah's sin. He starts off after this by crying out to the Lord, How long shall I cry, and thou will not hear? Even cry out unto thee of the violence, and thou will not save. 
He's crying out because he knows that this is a wicked society that he is in. Through a Jewish rabbinic literature, if you study that, you see that Jehoiakim was a wicked and a vile and a godless king. He was so wicked that he had incestuous relations with his mother, his daughter-in-law, his stepmother, and he was in the habit of murdering men simply to seize their land. He was in so much disobedience that he displayed it for all to see. Just like I'm wearing a jacket today, and it's made of certain material. The Jews were told that they were not allowed to wear this material that was a wool blend called shatnaz. And if someone wore it, they were in violation of the scriptures. And in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it tells them that. This king was so disobedient to God that he wore a cloak, a robe every day that people would signify that he did not care about what God said. He wrote in his, in his writings, he says, My predecessors, Manasseh and Ammon, they did not know how they could make God most angry. But I, I speak openly and proceeded to say how he could make God most angry. This was a wicked king, a vile king. And this book, it speaks of the prophecy which Habakkuk, he saw in God's pronouncement. And he saw what was going to happen. And he wanted to, God to judge this wickedness. He wanted him to judge this sin. And today, we're surrounded by a great deal of violence. We're connected to the internet, to the entire world at one time. Right now, it's estimated there are 42 wars being raged across the globe. According to 2020 in the U.S. alone, there are 45,000 people that died from incidents involving guns, according to Pew Research. In the top 10 countries rated by World Population Review, Almost 61,000 people died in stabbings during 2021. The number of murders in the U.S. has increased from 44% from 2019 to 2021, according to the Council of Criminal Justice. Worldwide, one in three women will experience sexual violence in their lifetime, according to the World Health Organization. The Arizona public media stated that there was a 63% increase in homicides in Tucson alone between 2020 in 2021. Our world is violent. Our world is characterized by violence. We see it all around, and psychologists have said that we see it so much that we have what is called empathy fatigue. We have empathy fatigue where we honestly, our, our, uh, our minds can't handle everything that is happening. And so as we are struggling with this, our minds, we stop caring about other people. We stop caring about these issues that are happening throughout society. This is what Habakkuk was struggling with when he said in verse 4, The law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. After all the heartache that Habakkuk had, God answers his plea. God answered him. Jesus told us in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Aren't you grateful that we have a God who answers our prayers? The God who holds our world together, by him all things consist, makes you and me a priority to him. He listens to us. He cares for us. And God answered Habakkuk by letting him know that justice was coming. Habakkuk was waiting for this judgment to come. And, he was, and it reminds me, though, of the judgment that is coming for all of those who deny Christ. 
all those who live their life without Christ. God has made a space right now for grace because he's not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but it is long-suffering to usward. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has judgment coming. He had coming in that day for the nation of Judah, but he has a judgment coming for all the injustices that are happening in the world today. God will judge the wickedness that is happening in the world, and in this instance, God had prepared a tool for justice. God started off by telling Habakkuk that he was going to do something incredible. He says, behold ye among the heathen. He says, and regard and wonder marvelously, because I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. We serve a powerful God. He's so powerful that he's telling him, you won't even believe how powerful and a wonderful and a marvelous thing that's going to happen that I will do, unless someone even told you. But God is telling him at this moment in his life, stand by, wait. I'm told that when the Russian armies invaded Ukraine, that 8,500 of our servicemen were put on standby to drop everything at a moment's notice to be ready to go and enter the conflict. God is saying right here, wait. Be ready, but wait. And God had a tool that he had planned to bring for the purging of the sin that happened in the land of Judah. But Habakkuk, he couldn't understand. How could God use a nation that is wicked. God was going to use the rising Babylonian empire to bring about a destruction of the nation of Judah that would uh, judge them for the sin that they had in their land. He goes to talk about the military might in verse 8 that was going to come. He says, their horses are also swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And her horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteneth to eat. The brutality and the destruction that was coming was going to be unbearable for the nation of Judah. And it was a severe penalty for the sin that they had committed against God. It goes on in verse 9 to say that they were gathering the captivity as the sand. According to Jeremiah 52, there were three waves of people that were taken out of the nation of Judah, and there were upwards of 4,600 Jews that were taken into captivity. But theologians say this is just a number that's reflective of the men that were taken. They said that counting women and children, this number would have been upwards of 15,000 people that were taken from their land as a judgment for sin and placed in captivity. There's a cost to sin. There's always a price for sin. To make things even more galling to the Hebrew people. It says in verse 11 that he shall pass over. King Nebuchadnezzar will pass over and offend. And he will impute this, his power, unto his lowercase g, God. This was a fierce judgment for the sins of the nations that had been committed. And it reminds me of a quote. You can choose your sin, but you cannot choose your consequence. You can choose as a nation your sin. But you can't choose the consequence on that nation. You can choose as a father your sin, as a husband your sin. You can choose it, but you don't choose the consequence for the sin that you have committed. God is the one that will bring judgment upon the sin that we commit. 
And so when you are tempted to sin, remember, there's always going to be a consequence. And you don't get to choose that. And the nation of Judah, had they really understood what was going to happen, my heart believes that they might have made a change. After weeks of study of the book of Revelation, I've really enjoyed this study that Pastor has been doing through the end times. And it's been an encouragement to my heart because it helps us to know of the urgency that we should have to tell other people about what is coming. That they don't want to be here when God gives judgment to this earth for all the wickedness. We're going to get to this passage in a little bit, in a few weeks with Pastor. But in Revelation chapter 20, it says, And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. People have lived their entire lives throughout the millennia. Some have chosen to obey God. In this room, I would hope that you are here because you're seeking to follow God's word. You're seeking to live a life that honors what God has told you to do. But there are people that scoff at the name of God. People who don't even know who God is. And they will be judged for the sins that they commit. One day, everyone will stand before God. And I'm constantly amazed, though, that even though we know what is coming, we sometimes just in our actions, maybe we, we would never say it, but we disregard the impending judgment that is coming. We don't live a life of urgency for those people really believing that God is going to judge the world for their sin. Habakkuk saw that something was coming, and he didn't like the way that God was going to bring about justice. And he pled with God, and he asked God, why, why, why? And we have to understand, as Habakkuk eventually did, the way of God is not our way. We are not guaranteed to understand God and the things that he does. And it reminds me, as many of you are parents, uh, does anyone remember when your child discovered the word, why? Yeah. So this is my daughter. I mean, doesn't she look so cute? She has discovered this word, why? And so she has this investigative attitude. And so she's thinking, you know, I give her a statement like, we're going to eat dinner. She tells me, why? why? And I'll tell her, because we're hungry. And she'll say, because it's time to eat. And we always eat after we eat lunch. And I usually struggle to find more answers. And then she still says, why? And my brain just hurts because I'm trying to think of the answers to give her, and I don't want to stifle this uh, investigative attitude. You know, she's, she's curious. It's great. But you know what? Sometimes we go to God and we say, why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening, God? Why is my world a mess? Why are things happening? God, why would you allow this to happen? And we need to understand, as the psalmist of Israel said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalms 28 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song will I praise him. Habakkuk could not understand how a sinful nation like the Babylonian Empire could be used to bring about cleansing in God's chosen people. 
And he goes on to say in Habakkuk chapter uh, 1, verse 13, he says, Thou art purer than your Thou art of purer eyes, God, than to even look or behold on evil, and canst not look on iniquity. But God, wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously? The Babylonians, they're wicked. And holdest your tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. Habakkuk could not wrap his mind around how God could let some wicked nation bring about judgment on his chosen people. And he said, God, why? Why? Why are you doing this? Do it some other way. Don't use these people to do this. The prophet needed to understand, as Isaiah stated later, my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. Neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, saith the Lord. And my thoughts than your thoughts. The way of God is nothing that we are guaranteed to understand. As much as our analytical minds, how many people in here are engineers? We have a lot of engineers in here. So I see some hands go up. So our analytical minds, want us, we want to know the why. We want to know the reason why things are happening in our life. But this verse is telling us that the way of God is not something that you are guaranteed to comprehend. It's not something that you will know or you will understand because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. And Habakkuk needed to learn to trust God while he waited. In chapter 2, verse 3, God tells Habakkuk that the judgment was not come yet, but it is coming. He says in verse 4, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, it is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. Now that might ring in your ears as you've heard that before. And that's because throughout scripture, it's repeated three more times. Now, it says in Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. If God inspired something one time, it's of paramount importance. But how much more is it important for us to grasp and to understand when it's said four times in Scripture? So once again, we're going to look at this Hebrew word that is in here and try and break down this phrase. This word just is the word sadiq. It's a little bit harder to, to pronounce, so I want you all to say it with me. Sadiq. Oh, you could do better than that. Sadiq. Now you guys know Hebrew. It's translated in other parts of the scripture as righteous. So the just or the righteous, they live by faith. They trust God for their every need. They trust him for their guidance. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 explains to us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it by the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The righteous will live by trusting God. The, the righteous will live their days making every decision by trusting God for those decisions, by seeking God to see what he says. I was visiting with a family yesterday in their home, and I was asking them some questions and talking with them, and they were telling me that they were making a decision, and it's a good decision. They're choosing between a good thing and a good thing, and it was awesome. And he was, the father was telling me that I'm praying. He's saying, you know, I'm praying and I'm asking God 
and I haven't gotten a green light yet. Because the, it makes, in my mind, it's very obvious what he should do. But in, he is seeking God. He's trusting God. He's trying to live a life of faith by praying to God and seeing what God wants him to do. That's exactly what this verse is talking about. The righteous, they'll live their life by trusting God. But are you trusting God today? It was true in Habakkuk's day, and it's true in our day. Are you questioning God like Habakkuk did? Waiting's not fun. And I remember as a teenager, I remember that my mother, she had some surgery on her intestines, and it was a very invasive surgery. And she uh, came home from the hospital, and there were some complications afterwards. And as things happened, she was losing fluid, and things were coming out of her that shouldn't come out after a surgery. And she had to be rushed to the hospital. And I remember as a child, not knowing what's going on, or a teenager at that time, not knowing what's going on, my parents wouldn't tell me. And as my sister and I, we went back home, and we uh, were scrubbing the stains out of the carpet, And I remember thinking to myself, why wouldn't my parents tell me what's going on? It must be extremely bad. And thinking, is my mom, is she dead? Thinking, what what is going on? And then starting to question why, and and I need to know the answer, but I couldn't. I had to just wait, and I had to wait, and I waited. And then finally, at the end of the day, I got a phone call. And my mom said that it was okay and and that the doctors were able to fix it and I could come see her that afternoon and and it subsided. That that waiting, that, that tension, it was gone. But maybe you're still in that moment of waiting. Maybe you're in a moment of chaos where it seems like everything's falling apart. Everything wrong that could happen in your life is happening. And you're in that moment like Habakkuk going, why God? Why would you allow this to happen? You're pleading for God to give you an answer. My challenge for you today is simple from the life of Habakkuk. Rejoice in knowing that God is working behind the scenes. After God declared his impending judgment in chapter 2, Habakkuk, he now replies by pleading with God to save his people from this judgment. He says, God, no, please don't judge your people this way. He says, you know, you delivered them from the Egyptians. You delivered them from the Canaanites. You delivered them from these people. He recounts all of these times that God delivered them. But then he proclaims his firm trust in God. Habakkuk, he knew that God was in control, and he tried once more, though, to seek God's mercy. He says in Habakkuk 3, 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. But in wrath, remember mercy. But nevertheless, Habakkuk, he says no matter what, he says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Nevertheless, or despite whatever you're going to do, no matter what happens, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon thine high places. God is working behind the scenes. Now, 
I'm someone who enjoys seeing how things are created. And I uh, remember reading a book when I was younger, C.S. Lewis's. You might have read, uh, anyone ever read The Chronicles of Narnia or heard of the book that C.S. Lewis wrote? So they made like a, a little video about it. And so I thought it was kind of cool. So um, I think we have a little bit of one of the scenes. So there is some ice that's falling down. It's breaking. And they're about to be plunged into this water. And so the water is going everywhere. There's like a tidal wave going on. And then, you know, this thing keeps going. But I'm always curious to see, how did they do that? Did they actually destroy a waterfall? Like, how in the world did this happen? Directors, they take people and they transport them to different worlds. And they do things like, in that thing, they make people like uh, animals talk. And so this is a behind the scenes to see how they made that work. And so they had all this stuff going on. They had a blue screen to make them look like they were in a spot. They had thousands and thousands of people working between building this little pool, building uh, the silicone and the foam that looked like the, uh, the ice coming down, the people who did the visual effects, thousands and thousands of people working on this one scene. And you'll never see their face. You'll never know what job they had to make this a reality. You probably will never even know their name. But they all work together in ways behind the scenes to make this one thing a reality. What I'm here to tell you today is God is working behind the scenes in ways that you will never understand to bring about his perfect plan, to make it a reality. God is working, and we have to trust as Habakkuk finally came to the point of realizing. In Isaiah 61.10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. No matter what comes in your life, we can rejoice in the Lord. Uh, many of you, you were here last Sunday night when Pastor was preaching about the book of Philippians, and he was saying how the apostle Paul, he was sitting in a jail cell. But yet he could say that whatever place I am in, I have learned therewith to be content. And he says in that same book, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because Paul knew that his joy did not come from his circumstances. It came from his relationship with God. Habakkuk, he trusted God. He believed in God. Isaiah talks about the God of my salvation. We see this, but he doesn't even understand the salvation that we have in Christ. We are under the new covenant. They were under an old covenant where they had to sacrifice the blood of animals to cover their sins. We are under the new covenant where Jesus Christ, he shed his blood to save us from our sins, to cover us from our sins. In Colossians, it says, in Jesus whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. God is working throughout the entire history in the scenes that we will never even know about to bring about his perfect plan and to make it a reality. And maybe this morning you're saying, I don't know about that. You know what? Habakkuk was in the same spot as you. Maybe your marriage, it's fallen apart. Maybe your parents are treating you with contempt. Maybe you're worried about your financial future. Maybe you just lost someone. And you still don't understand why. Habakkuk was in a same situation. We saw how he lived in a violent culture. And he wanted God to fix it. But he didn't like the way that God was going to do it. But he ultimately decided, I'm going to trust you, God. 
Nevertheless, yet I will trust you. And he knew that he could trust God. What is God speaking to you about today? We've seen the life of Habakkuk. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't know where you are today in your life, but God does. And he's right there with you. Maybe you feel like you're all alone. But he works in ways that you cannot understand. Are you going to live your life by putting trust like Habakkuk finally did in what God can do? Or are you going to trust in what you can do?